Hey, Mike. Hi, Caleb. How are you? I'm doing well. We've got a special recording night uh, because of some big news. Yeah. Well, I mean, special recording night or a delayed recording night, I guess, depending on how you want to frame it. Yeah, I think uh, I think delayed is true. Also, definitely yeah. factually accurate. We uh, we decided to delay. We we were expecting that Elon would uh, post the uh, master plan he had been teasing last week on Sunday, since he was uh, he was tweeting about teasing. It. He said that it would be out. He said he hoped to get it out this week. Oh, come which on. was last that, week. You're being very generous. I'm just telling you what he said. And then you're really buying this whole dog ate my homework excuse. I need an extension teacher, please. Yeah. Please. And, and then he used SpaceX launch as an excuse. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? All been there. I just launched a rocket. I, I'm kind of busy. I can't finish. <laughs> and then to yesterday, he was flying back in his private plane uh, and working on it there. And then he said, I'm going to stay up all night and work on it and pull an all nighter. And then he had lots of crazy tweets this morning about listening to the great gatsby soundtrack and doing illicit drugs which was a joke i'm pretty confident it's a joke um <laughs> so it finally dropped at uh, around six o'clock or so pacific uh, maybe a little earlier and uh yeah it's a uh, master plan part due duh <laughs> So uh, are we to we're, we're to understand that he flew back across the country instead of autopiloting in a Tesla using the network of supercharging stations? I think so. We know he has a private jet, and I don't think he uh, I don't think he could have driven that quickly. So he didn't he didn't dog food his way across the country. Not this time. I think his Noted. time. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, so what's, uh, so I guess maybe you can catch us up on, in case we don't know what is part one of the, of this master plan, since I'm assuming that there is a part one, since this is uh part two and we don't have sort of a Leonard part six situation here going on that there was yeah. a, a precursor to this. Yep. And like most good, uh, like most, uh, sequels, the first one was not named part one. Uh, it was just the master plan. Uh, he wrote the blog post 10 years ago, almost almost uh, exactly 10 years ago, outlining what Tesla's vision was and what they were going um, to do. Wow, this is, this is in a pre-iPhone world. It was, yeah, 2006. Um, wow. So the general outline, which he also reviewed in his post today, was uh, first create the uh, Roadster, the low-volume, high-price car, and then use that money to develop what became the Model S, and then use that money to develop and unveil and launch what we now know as the Model 3. Uh, the Model X was sort of randomly thrown in there. And then also he had a note in the original post about wanting uh, sustainable energy generation, uh, so solar generation. Um, but that they didn't actually do that themselves. Um, and, uh, yeah, they did pretty good on that Um General plan so, 10 years later. So does including the Model X count as a bonus or a uh, like a demerit? Is that a deviation from the master plan that is uh, like, where does that fit in? I would, I would characterize that as a, uh, an audible. Apparently we're, we're scoring the, the part one of the master plan. That's, I guess that's implicit in, in revealing part two is that we have to look back and, and grade him on part one. Yeah, I would I would call it I would call it an extra. They didn't they didn't, but they missed on the uh, the solar energy. Um, okay, and so they're trying to correct for that now. Um, and we'll talk about that more. But I, 
I think they, I mean, they certainly released the Roadster. Uh, they certainly released the Model 3 or the Model S. And uh, they went on a little detour with the X. Um, and the Model 3 is, you know, uh, should be pencils down design, should be starting <laughs> uh, final final production processes and everything now. So was disappearing know. all the roadsters part of the master plan or is that just something that happened? Well, when you only sold 4,500 of them, it's going to be hard to find, but, uh, I see it. I think they're in Maybe. garages. <laughs> we'll save that for a future episode. Yeah. Uh, so I think they did pretty well and, and the, the goal, um, so you know, one, like pretty well, is that a, an A, a B, a B plus where, where would you grade them? I mean, I think for a startup to predict 10 years in advance, like lay out their 10 year plan and, and basically hit those product milestones, I, I would give them an A for an a. startup success. Yeah. All right. I would. Um, yeah, I, I definitely do because they, they didn't do anything else that random and they've done what they need to do to hit those, you know, it, it was pretty clear 10 years ago to them at least what, what they wanted to do. And that's a long time. I mean, it's obviously a, a car company has different time horizons, but, uh, but yeah, I think they, they've done pretty well there. So, you know, that's what, that's what sort of is leaving the, the left, the opportunity for this, uh, post. I don't think it was, it wasn't widely expected. There wasn't much, um, there weren't people talking about, well, was, what, when are they going to talk about their next future plan? I think it was, uh, a surprise, certainly for me when, uh, last week he was saying he was going to post a part two of the master plan. And, uh, I think we, you know, we teased a little bit about what we thought would be in it last week, uh, in the last episode. Um, so I don't, they certainly weren't any under, under any obligation to do it, but, um, I, I think but it's they pretty, did set a deadline and then that deadline slipped. A cla- we, that's a, that's also classic, uh, classic Tesla. So <laughs> should we read anything into that? No, I, I don't. I, I, I think he, it, it seems like he likes operating with deadlines looming, um, it definitely seems to be a motivating factor and process for him is to set deadlines and uh, very aggressive deadlines. And, you know, because he clearly was not done writing. Like, I think many companies would not announce something until it's pretty much done and then have that week to polish it and finish it and basically be able to publish it whenever. It doesn't seem like Elon follows that general practice. They He tends to get an idea and want to talk about it as soon as he can. And uh, it doesn't sound like he had that much of it written. He probably had a lot of it thought out and was having a hard time finding the time to actually put pen to paper. Do you think that key to that, keyboard? Do you think it was actually him having uh, needing the extra time to actually write it, or as a public company, was it that it needed to be vetted and approved as forward-looking statements or or whatever? Uh, whatever the official terminology would be that, you know, you can't just have a CEO spouting off about what the next five to 10 years of a company will be. Honestly, and this is, this is just my best guess. I think he was actually still writing it uh, because I don't think many people were up with him last night at one or 2 AM working with him on it. Uh, it, And, and I think that he, uh, my bet is that he finished it today in the morning when he posted that tweet about it being ready at around 5 PM and then it went to the lawyers and other people in the company for final red line and tweaking. But I, I think this is him deciding what he wants to talk about publicly. Uh, I think he pretty clearly runs the show. We don't really know of any other major characters in the Tesla company who are um, empowered to make such 
you know, decisions. Um, we need a mole inside of Tesla. We, can we, can we uh, somehow we cultivate a We do need a tipster. A, a Hopefully there's some, there must be some listening, uh, some, some people inside the company. So we'd love a tipster tips. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the tips. benefit to the mole would be, but to us it would be great. So, you know, if you're, if you're so inclined, uh, hit us up and give, yeah, us, did give this, us the did inside this, scoop. Yeah, did this circulate uh, hours before it was posted or days before? Is did, he just he like distilling feedback? and, yeah, is he just distilling and putting a public face on stuff that's already been discussed internally? Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this wasn't a surprise for anyone in the company that would, uh, I know if I if I was working there and, and stuff came out uh, through Twitter uh, that was surprising, that would be a little bit disconcerting. Yeah, it's like uh, Steve Jobs apparently uh, on stage when he talked about FaceTime for the first time and said, we're going to open source it. <laughs> apparently no one inside Apple had ever heard that before. <laughs> so I, One more thing. One more thing. So let's jump into it. Um, yeah. So the first thing he talks about in the post, and I'll say he, um, since he is he did pen, pen it, and I think it's signed by him, um, is the idea around integrated energy generation and storage. Uh, so this is talking about, we kind of messed up by not making SolarCity part of Tesla. We should have had those be the same company early on and just by sort of chance of the way they were founded and history, just they should have been the same company since we had very similar goals. I basically, as Elon Musk wanted to do solar power anyways, and I should have just put them inside the same company. And the big reason I, we want to do that is we think there's going to be a really beautiful uh, solar panel for your roof and an integrated battery so that you don't have to be connected to the power grid and it's all seamless and integrated and simple. So we're going to make a product that brings all that together. So if you're a homeowner, you can come to Tesla and get a way to detach from the grid. Um, so I don't, this one I think it's pretty clear. I mean, they'd already been talking about this with announcing the Solar City acquisition. Right. So this one doesn't seem that unusual. I Especially do, since they're selling the the power power, power wall, walls. Power yeah. wall. I was gonna say power pack, but power wall. Yeah, I mean they mentioned they're ready to scale the power wall and that Solar City has really good new solar uh, panels for homes that look good. Um, so I'm really curious to see what those look like. Um, I do find it a little curious how many of these homes will be able to generate enough energy to power and charge their Tesla during the day if you're not at home. Um, because most of the power walls are like seven or 10 kilowatt hours. So pretty small relative to what's inside the cars, uh, like 10 times smaller. Um, Currently. So I'm not yeah, currently. So I think that'll be really interesting. Uh, I, I have to imagine they're going to be building the system in the context of you having a Tesla, so uh, a Tesla car. Um, but this one, this one isn't that interesting to me beyond like uh, in terms of newsworthiness. Uh, so right. that, that's my current sort of what what is revealed in this part two that we didn't know about uh, or is kind of an interesting new insight into how and where Tesla's going. This was already telegraphed pretty clearly with SolarCity and he talked about it on the conference call. So this one, not that interested in uh, newsworthy-wise, but I'm okay, still so that excited was, for it. That was point one of Master Plan Part 2? Part one, yeah. So okay. part two is where it starts to get really interesting. Uh, well, bullet point two. Bullet point two, not yes. part two. <laughs> yes. Part two, sub part one. <laughs> part two of part two 
is uh, expand to cover the major forms of terrestrial transport. So first off, terrestrial, uh, that's terrestrial very specific. transport, yes. That, uh, that is a wonderful phrase. So, you know, this is coming from the spaceman Elon Musk. Uh, terrestrial is the definition uh, here. There's already been rumors of airplanes and other, you know, he does rockets, which is a form of transport. So terrestrial think, transport. Yeah, but do you think I, I would I would include uh, airplanes and any sort of flying stuff as terrestrial as well? No. Because you're no. moving from point A to point B on the earth versus like going from the earth to somewhere else. No, I think yeah. I think Am I reading air, too much into that? I think so. I think the air transport is for part trois. <laughs> Ten trois. Years you gotta now. roll your R trois. 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 All right. Yeah. Okay. So the, what we talk, what he talks about here is uh, right now we sort of cover premium sedans and SUVs. So Model S and Model X. Uh, conspicuously absent is the Roadster, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then with the Model 3, which is coming, so we already know that's coming, a future compact SUV, which has been teased already as uh, the future car, the model, or the SUV, the Model Y, which will be the Model 3 variation. So we kind of knew about that. And then a new kind of pickup truck. So this is the first official time they've talked about a pickup truck as part of their product line. Elon Musk in multiple times over the past five or six years has hinted that he thinks making a pickup truck could be interesting, that when he's driven an F-350 before with nothing in it, it was a terrible ride, and that you could do really interesting things with air suspension, which uh, Model S's and X's have in terms of making sure that the load is distributed well. Um, and he also thought that, you know, obviously electric motors have incredible amounts of torque, which is really important when you're moving heavy loads. So a pickup truck is uh, something that will address most of the consumer market. So the Model 3, a compact SUV, and a pickup truck to address most of the consumer market. Um, and, and that they don't think they need to do a platform much cheaper than Model 3 because of a future part of car sharing. Um, so, right. Oh, you're jumping ahead. Yeah, but basically not going to be making cars as cheap as a Honda Fit or a Yaris or you know, ten or $20,000 cars. It sounds like they're currently not going to do a car like a Model 4 or something that's going to be a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're setting the floor there. They're not going any lower than the Model 3. Which I think uh, that is new because he has talked about a Gen 4 platform already um, that would be less expensive. So that either means they're planning to scrap that or that will just roll into the Model 3. And I think what's also kind of interesting is this really reminds me of the Apple product line 2x2 uh, two two that Steve Jobs announced when he came back of we're going to have a, a, a consumer laptop, a pro laptop, a, a consumer desktop, and a pro desktop. Ev, sort of, we're going to have a premium sedan and a consumer level lower cost sedan. We're going to have a premium SUV and a lower cost SUV. And oh, by the way, we're also going to have a truck uh, since pickup trucks are the best selling vehicle class in the United States. Um, but uh, that seems good. I mean, on the pickup truck, I don't know. What do you think they could do there? Uh, well, you said I think they want to do it interesting. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you start getting into like full-on SUVs and especially pickup trucks, there's a, a lot of non uh, 
vehicle-related reasons as to why those are so popular, because they are considered commercial vehicles, so they're exempted from lots of uh, mileage guidelines or um, even crash safety. There's there's all sorts of exemptions that mm. the car companies get away with by selling these things because they're not considered cars. They're considered commercial vehicles, even though it's just you know someone in a just an average person driving it. Right. Um, so there's there's a whole other set of um, external unrelated things that that go into why they look the way they look and why they're as big as they are. Um, and why they're as popular as they are. Um, but Tesla so, doesn't care about those factors, do they? Well, if they're entering that market, they're going to have to compete with um, Ford and Chevy and Dodge making those trucks and kind of they've been they've been milking that teat for a very long time and they're very, very good at it. Um, yeah, but like that's the most profitable sector. That's why they spend so much the American car makers spend so much time there is that there's lots of profit in making pickup trucks and SUVs. Uh, right. And there's but there is a lot of profit because they've you know, they've uh, let's say suggested and uh, coerced the laws and tariffs and everything into being where they are, where it becomes this honeypot for for development. Um, which you know it, it's kind of a, an aside, but it's just the first thing that sprung to mind uh, when when I was reading that was that oh that's you're getting into the, the sort of well cultivated bread and butter of the American car companies right there. I mean, I think the 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 future, the smaller compact SUV is going to be incredibly popular, uh, especially because the people buying Teslas still are going to be slightly more affluent, especially in this class. Like I think the X5 and the Q5 are better selling than the sedan versions in the U.S. at least. So you know, the U.S. loves SUVs, and small SUVs are incredibly popular. Sort of the crossover. SUV category is incredibly popular. So I think that's going to be an incredibly popular car. I think we'll see people lining up to order that just like we did with the Model 3. The pickup truck, I'm more dubious about its prospects. I know that the market is huge, but I think range is clearly really important there, uh, the durability of it. And I think that the I, I just feel like because a lot of pickup trucks are used for more commercial and sort of semi-commercial semi-amateur kind of stuff that uh, I just I just don't know if the crossover of customer segment is the same that the, the people who want pickup trucks are also currently following Tesla the same degree that people who want premium sedans are but um yeah I suppose we'll they, see. they could figure out what drives that market and in kind of introduce a premium product along whatever those different axes are uh it's probably not going to be sleekness and and uh, whatnot, but it could be range and torque and whatever the, I mean, I guess if you ever watch any sports on television, especially football, you see you're, you're exposed to hours of truck commercials. Um, so you can kind of infer what the, what that market wants based on what those advertisers are, are targeting. Yeah. I mean, certainly the driving characteristics of it are going to be incredible with the low battery pack. Um, and also they say a new kind of pickup truck. So I'm curious. Do you think this is going to be like what is it, what was it called? Like the Baja? Like it's going to be an El Camino. Of, yeah, they're like semi-car pickup truck things. Those did yeah, not the do Chevy, very well. The Chevy El Camino, or or maybe the Model Three will become a Subaru Brat. Yeah, the Brat was crazy. I I, I don't Brat know. was the one that had the seats in the back facing backwards with those little like ski pole grips. 
That yeah, was, the, and that was super the bright 80s. colors. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I I think I don't, I'm not as well educated on the pickup truck market as I am on the. We're clearly both sedan. out of our element here. Yeah, so I will move on from that, and I'm curious what listeners think about their interest in a Tesla pickup truck, um, and if it fits any of their desires. Yeah, if you're in pickup country, please let us know what, what you how you think Tesla could penetrate pickup land. But I think what's interesting here is that it seems likely that the S will be a car that continues, the X will be a model that continues, the 3, the Y, and then maybe P for pickup, whatever, that <laughs> uh, that those will just sort of be perpetual product lines, um, similar to like the MacBook, MacBook Pro, iPhone, sort of just perpetually improved, uh, very different than the traditional car manufacturer's model of proliferating their product line with every variation between a1 a2 a3 a4 a5 a6 on the audi world and you know the the three series four series five series six series seven series eight series it sounds like they're going to keep it sort of similar and and tied down um i think that's that's sort of a uh, i I wasn't sure how they were going to deal with product line sort of extension um and it sounds like they have a pretty closed down set like it's curious to whether or not there's going to be a Model 3 that has a hatchback version or a two-door or a convertible. Like, we haven't seen that yet with this with the S. Oh, a station wagon Model years. 3. I would, I, I might buy that. So, yeah, I'm curious if they're going to do those sub-product <laughs> sub, sub lines. So that's yet to be seen. Um, I think the, and, the compact, like, SUV crossover vehicles have sort of eaten the, the station wagon market. Yeah, so that, definitely. That seems like there would be a lot of, yeah, there, there would be a lot of overlap there. And, and they say most of the consumer market. So, I mean, maybe they're going to be okay. Like maybe the convertible is just the Roadster. Because um, I do think they're going to, they've already talked about doing a new Roadster. So I think the the Roadster will be based off the Model 3 platform and the pickup truck may be on the Model 3 platform, maybe on the S platform, not sure. So that'll be so, interesting. Okay, so that's the consumer market. And then yes. uh, they, they mentioned going outside of the consumer market in the same bullet point, right? Yeah, they then talked about, well, they talked about the factory stuff, but we can get back to that. But the, the other cars they talked about and the other vehicles they talked about in the post were a semi-truck and a new type of urban transport to compete with buses. And the buses one he had talked about, and maybe we talked about a teeny bit, um, where he, he, had, he was talking at, at the... Um, one of the international conferences maybe a few months ago, definitely when we were doing the show, about we have some interesting ideas about a new bus, uh, so like a new take on a bus. So he, he's revealed that here, and we'll talk about that. And I think the semi is certainly more clear. So and they already named it. It's like, we believe the Tesla semi will deliver a substantial reduction in the cost of cargo, increase safety, and make it really fun to operate. Um, <laughs> the fun to operate seemed a little weird, but yeah, okay. Yeah, not sure. I I guess it has to. I don't know something around the uh, autopilot driver fatigue. Um, uh, yeah, I think. Are you going to um, be able to install games on it or something, and and kind of fill your time and play words with friends as you're trucking across the country? Yeah, I so I don't I don't think it has to do with that level of fun. I I think he I I think it must be something more around not being as as difficult to operate or tricky or um, just like more. I guess fun for whom? Quick. We, once we yeah, know fun I think for, for the whom, driver. I, yeah. Is it the driver or the owner? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because there is the owner. I mean, maybe. So, so, so interesting stuff here, right? Uh, 
Manu- the only major uh, semi truck manufacturer that also does consumer cars is Volvo, and they're one of the smallest uh, market share. There's like if freight. I, if yeah, I'm not freight mistaken, liner. they're actually. If I'm not mistaken, they're actually separate companies. Like they're di- they're owned by different parent companies. Volvo Trucks was sold off, I believe, some point in the last decade or two to someone else, and I think they're. Either one of them separate and one of them owned by Ford or something. I, I'm yeah, getting I out of so. my depth, but I, yeah, they're no a, longer the same. Yeah, there's there's them. There's Peterbilt, which is sort of small. There's uh, um, Mac f- Mac truck. There's uh, International, and then there's uh, Fairline Frontline Fairline Freightliner. Um, Freightliner, yeah. And then Mercedes, I think, has Daimler. Mercedes has some trucks, but they don't even really show up in the U.S. on the top one. So there's there's like about 2 million or so. I did just a quick check. Like 2 million uh, registered in the U.S. There's Peter three Bilt. times. Did we say yeah, Peterbilt? Peterbilt also, yeah. There's And there's three times as many trailers registered. So there's three trailers for every semi-tractor. Um, so they're, they're tractors and trailers. So they're tractor trailers. Um <laughs> And then the semi is just sort of this new abbreviation we have for the for them. Um, so so they're like manufactured completely differently. They're sold very differently. The people who own them oftentimes are not the ones operating them. Uh, it's a commercial purchase. It's a it's a capital purchase. It's intended to be you know thought of as uh, a capital expense and totally different than the consumer market. So. I right. think one thing is they have to announce this in advance because it's going to be a totally different manufacturing process and also a different team. So they're going to need to go start hiring people from these semi-truck manufacturing and production companies. And A, you need to be able to tell people what you're doing there, and it's clearly going to leak if you're doing it. So I think that's a big reason to talk about it. But more interestingly, that they want to go into this market, like, uh, really? Like, the <laughs> Of all the automotive issues you have to do and all the other things that are about to come in this part two post, doing semi-trucks is like that. It's a ton of miles, as we found out about in researching usage of miles on highways. But but this one, this one is the one that I think might be the biggest flop uh, of <laughs> well, all, it's all of them. It's a, it's a completely different type of vehicle, too. It's not a unibody uh, vehicle like a passenger vehicle would be it's it's like a chassis it's an old school chassis vehicle with uh, i mean they're tractors they're they're called tractor trailers because it's yeah it's literally a tractor it's just a big old engine stuck to a chassis and with a hitch on it and possibly if it's a long haul vehicle they'll have some living quarters in there as well so it's kind of like a rv like bolted onto it um but yeah it's it's it seems very very orthogonal to what they're working on and they're extremely expensive, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, I mean, I think certainly the physics of it can work with having the battery in the trailers um, and some in the actual uh, tractor. Uh, the motors could obviously be large enough. So I, I don't think so, there's any issues there. And obviously the cost of ownership of not having to pay for fuel, like hugely inefficient uh, miles per gallon wise. But charging infrastructure, obviously, you're going to have to figure out a slightly different place for superchargers. Like, no supercharger right now could accommodate a tractor trailer. Um, <laughs> so, so, do we know if, if, did it specifically say that these would be battery powered electric um, vehicles? Or is it just Tesla Semi where it could actually be that they're putting their autopilot technology 
into a like partnered vehicle with a Peterbilt or Freightliner or whoever, and just using the um, computerized AI driving to uh, essentially remove the need for uh, driver human drivers and being able to operate more efficiently the current existing vehicles. Oh, the, he's, I mean, the post says the, there are two other type of electric vehicles needed. So it, it's okay. clearly electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, this is the one I think is most curious um, of everything in the post. The semi is the one I was least expecting and had not heard them talk about ever before. And the one that I think if push came to shove, you would not do. But it sounds like they plan to unveil both of them uh, next year. So is this just we'll Tesla? Is this just Tesla's equivalent of the concept car that you see every year from all the uh, traditional auto manufacturers? That's this futuristic-looking, amazing vehicle that never actually arrives. I just feel like this one is so much more important that business like truck trucking companies want like if they haven't proven that trucking companies want the benefits of what a a tesla semi is going to provide i would be really disappointed i would i would that would be a big mistake like the same way that with power pack and power wall and and all that that they've done with they've they've gone to utilities and found out if there's demand I have to believe that they're really doing this. They, they have to know that there's actually a demand because those those people are not going to buy these trucks just because they feel like they want to have it the same way the consumer market could have a small percentage of people who want them. Like you're not going right. to buy one of these unless there's an economic benefit to it. And I think there could be certainly considering how fuel inefficient these co- these trucks are and they talk about it, that it would redu- reduce the cost of cargo. So I think there's an economic incentive there. I just don't know if... Yeah, it's just going to be really interesting. Like, are they going to, where are they going to sell them? They can't put a semi inside of the Tesla. I mean, you're not going to have a (laughs) truck buyer going into the Stanford shopping center next to the Apple store to buy a semi. So it's going to be this sort of B2B environment. And they're doing it with the utilities. um, So they clearly have the appetite to do B2B. Um, I imagine if if you start working with the largest trucking companies, though, you can probably cover a pretty big amount of the market. Yeah, that's the thing. I think I think you probably can get pretty fast penetration if it actually is successful. So I think, um, yeah, it's, I did I'm really learn curious when I was, what it is. I'm really curious was, to see what it is. When we went on a, a Caribbean cruise recently, I did learn that the uh, cruise ship that we were on, which is you know the, these absolutely enormous things, was actually powered by electric motors. Uh, the electric motors were actually directly turning the propellers, and then they were powered by diesel generators that were hmm. generating the power for it so uh, it, you know I, that is a pretty large uh vehicle doing long-haul stuff and if battery technology catches up then eh, it's possible yeah i mean the, the there's certainly plenty of space in those trailers uh for for battery um and at the expense of your cargo weight though but yeah yeah i guess they certainly do have cargo weight limits um that's going to be interesting so that, that one I definitely want to dig in deeper on, uh, the semi-market, because I had no expectation that the Tesla Show podcast would have to deal with semi-trucks, so that'll be <laughs> All fun. All right, so we'll put a pin in that for a future Put episode. a pin in that one. So, so let's go back one, to the bus. The bus. So first the off- The high passenger density urban transport. Exactly. I. It is not a bus. Don't call it a bus. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, this is going to be something 
unlike a bus and it will replace the job of a bus, but it is not a bus. It sounded uh, like when he was describing everyone, like no center aisle so that everyone can get in and out. It sounded kind of like uh, it, we, we just finished uh, watching Downton Abbey and Downton Abbey has the uh, the train station coming into uh, Yorkshire or wherever they are. And all of the first class people like immediately, like every every cabin opens right out to the platform. And uh, so there's no like, like a stagecoach. Yeah, exactly. So every every single person, I mean, that's kind of a random uh uh, apologies for the random uh, reference. And the spoiler. Oh, well, the trains come to Down Abbey. It's not really a huge spoiler, but All right. um, anyways, <laughs> um, I, I won't give any uh, secrets away about what happens to Lady Edith or anyone. Um, but yeah, that that seemed interesting. It sounded like he was talking about something where like everyone, it sounded everyone has their own door or something. That, that seems like that would be a, a strange, uh, that would introduce a lot of things that could break. Well, and putting seats where there are entryways. I, this sounds like it's going to be a pod, uh, a collect, a, a, co- a coalition of pods, a connection of pods. Um, It'd be like a capsule hotel. You just kind of get into so. your little pod and, and take a nap while you zip around town. Yeah, I think it will be uh, lots of little. So similar to the way that like a monorail is a combination of lots of different trains connected. Like I think there'll be tiny little. Uh, Little pods that, because he also talks about like not being too massive, like in weight, and also being able to have similar acceleration and deceleration characteristics of traditional vehicles. Right. So I'm expecting these are going to be more like little uh, two or three wheeled sort of things that draft with each other. And that the bus driver, he says, uh, moves to the role of fleet manager. And so a driver <laughs> leading the pack will be responsible for sort of maintaining and having these guys, having all these little pods move-ins. I, I didn't understand ridiculous. that at all. Yeah. So some some sort of pod structure thing. And then it because the other thing is it said it will take you to your final destination. So that means they must be able to break away and take me to the final place I want to go, which is not a bus stop, but to my office, and then rejoin the pack like a Peloton uh, of, of bicycles. So Or an Uber pool where you're just dropping everyone off. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah or, or they're like they're going to move on their own little sequence and they can rejoin with others when possible. So this sounds maybe just like the little Google bus, but it... I don't think they're just tiny cars because it, it, it makes uh, it makes some it, it seems like there's some <laughs> structure to it. Um, so we, we might have an episode on that one, too. That was that's there's a lot to dig into there. Well, and that they're going to unveil this one next year. Uh, so in 2017, we've got, you know, between six and 18 months before we see that if they're on track uh, and that they're already working on it. Like, obviously, they're already working on it. Um yeah, but that could mean that could mean they've hired an artist to kind of make some renderings or something. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't very unveil. specific about what working on it means. Yeah, ready for unveiling next year. So, I mean, they haven't unveiled any vehicles that were just paper. So, I don't know that that one also is interesting. It's been talked about and hinted at, so it's not totally unknown to people who've been following Tesla. Uh, probably people listening to the show, um, but that they want to do it, they see a business opportunity for it. They have concrete plans it's not just elon speculating about how it could work this one is really intriguing because how much of a 
bus is it? How much of a public service is this? Are people, are the city planners who buy buses going to buy this or is this something Tesla's going to operate? This one's really fascinating. Is it going to be in like a couple pilot cities and we'll never see it in most places? This one's really fascinating. Um, is it something that would even exist prior to full autonomy too? Like, is this something right, that's, that's, that's the other predicated thing. upon being able to drive itself around? Or in cities where it's allowed um, and they're getting special permission or they map it really deeply. Um, not clear. Uh, one funny thing is they said, you know, you'd be, they, they're going to put little buttons at bus stops so you can summon, summon it. So it also <laughs> seems like it's not on a fixed route, that implies. That, that was an oddly specific little detail too. Yeah, who don't have a phone. So that you'd summon it similar to an Uber or, or Lyft um, if you have a phone and smartphone. But if you don't, there would still be sort of uh, these skeuomorphic summon buttons like the Amazon Dash. <laughs> you just click the button and it comes. Um, <laughs> I push the Tesla button. Right, which also sort of implies that it, you know, you're not waiting for the bus to come at some random, at some scheduled interval. It's going to come at a uh, interval of your choosing. Um, right, so it's more I, yeah. on demand. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think that it has to be something around, and I'm making these predictions on the fly, of a roaming set of these moving together and... Um, for some amount of range across the normal loop around the city, they're going to break off and then return into the center uh, bus lane because they're taking advantage of city's bus lanes already. And then they'll break off to take you to your final destination. And the central hub will have the really big battery packs, but they will be able to operate autonomously or semi-autonomously with the bus driver managing it to make sure it doesn't get into trouble as it does its pickup and drop off. But the majority of the miles will try to be driven in this core loop. So it won't be as efficient as point to point, uh, but, um, you know, beginning pickup and ending pickup will be uh, your own little pod and then you'll be in the group. That's my, that's my belief of how this is going to work. All right. Um, so let's, what, let's move on to point three here. What was, uh, what was the third part of Master Plan Part 2? Uh, well, let me, one last thing on, oh, the, sorry. on sorry. the automotive side was uh, talking, going deeper on the production improvements. So how a lot of Tesla engineering now is focused extremely heavily on designing the machine that makes the machine. So making the factory its own product that engineering is focused on improving. And Elon talked about this a lot at the last shareholder meeting that he's really sort of gotten really fascinated by trying to improve the efficiency and density and just overall in, um, speed of manufacturing that most car manufacturing systems are extremely slow. They use a very tiny percentage of the volumetric space of car plants and that he sees that as a really big opportunity. And so this is the first time he's really laid that out in in print and that they expect a five to tenfold improvement is achievable. Uh, but he lays it out is achievable by version three of this product of the factory on a roughly two-year iteration cycle, which would imply six years from 2018. What, uh, um, what version does he consider them to be on right now? The, he thinks the first mo the first version of Model 3 factory production would be 0.5. Oh, so we're not even at 1.0. We're not even at 1. So the, the sort of second iteration of, by 2018, Model 3 production will be in version 1. So then six years from 2018 would be 2022, a 5 to 10-fold improvement, uh, which would both allow them to produce a, a metric ton load more cars per factory and also reduce the cost 
of the manufacturing, which is a very large percentage of costs for cars um, and should also improve the quality of them. So this one's really exciting to see, and I think we'll get lots of good leaks about it because the production is kind of hard to hide and people get tours of the factory. Um, and this is one that certainly has not been challenged. I mean, you don't hear anyone else coming out and saying that they think car manufacturing could be done 10 times more efficiently than it is today, except for Tesla. So, Well, Silicon Valley loves to 10x everything. So They do. A, he did hedge it a little bit by saying 5x, so... But uh, I think it's interesting that uh, Elon Musk has been in the news this past year or yeah, in the past year or so uh, sounding the alarm about super intelligent AI. And now he's talking about machines that make machines. And we all know that's the, the first path towards Skynet once it starts being able to make itself and improve itself. Maybe well, he knows something. Well, and the next thing he talks about is autonomy. Um, that's right. Oh, jumping ahead now. Let's go to part three. Part three of part two, autonomy. Okay, part, so part trois. part trois of part two. This one, I think, is certainly people knew this was coming. I don't think anyone expected Tesla to stop at autopilot. I think it was pretty yeah, this clear. This seems that, like the least surprising of all of them. Yeah, that they are going to go to pushing for full autonomy. I think the interesting bit here is some new data points around their expectations about how that will happen. Because we've talked in the past that the hardware will be here sooner than software, and Elon reiterates that. So he says it's important to emphasize the refinements and validation of the software will take much longer than putting in place the cameras, radar, sonar, and computing hardware. Um, their goal is for it to be far better than average human driver. They think it needs to be around 10 times better. 10x. 10x, another one, and that they need to get 6 billion miles of self-driving before regulatory approval would happen. And right now they're adding about 3 million miles a day. So they're adding about a billion miles a year with the current fleet. The Model 3 will probably quadruple or quintuple that. Um, so they may be able to get to 5 billion miles in a year if Model 3 has the hardware suite to allow autonomy. So... I still, he doesn't say it here. Um, I think that would have been nice. He does say that all future Tesla vehicles will eventually have the hardware to be fully self-driving, which would imply the buses and the semis. Um, and, but he, he doesn't say the Model 3 will have it at launch. They just say that as maturity, as technology matures, they'll eventually all have it. So nothing super interesting here beyond that they have that ambition, but I think we already knew that. And I thought the... Oh, I thought the uh, he talked a little bit about fail operational, or I'm assuming that yeah. means like some sort of failover capacity where, and I think they say any given system could break and your car can still drive. Um, that's interesting, and it doesn't, as far as I know, that's not something that's in there right now. I don't think there's any nope. redundancy. Nope. No, okay, so that's something that's that's more aspirational or upcoming. Yeah, that's new. He's mentioned that that he thought that was going to be important that they have redundancy um of the major systems um and i think it's just a i'm not sure if it's actually a already defined term of fail operational compared to fail safe um because fail safe is then uh fail into a safe mode but fail operational or like operational and then normal and then operational i not sure um, if that's actually a material difference between a fail-safe model. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it sounds like they certainly he didn't he didn't talk about like redundant um, steering column or redundant uh, acceleration or anything. He he really right. only talked about the computer systems and sensing systems. And does that mean there'll be double all of them, or that the two systems, one of the systems can can fail, and then the radar will pick up for the sonar, or the camera will pick up for the radar, um, or will there be two radars and two cameras and two sonar for every one? Um, that are needed. Yeah, and are they like next to each other or does that mean they're separated significantly? So if there's damage to the vehicle, it, one of them will, you, you'll minimize the chance of both of them being taken out. I don't know. Yeah, that's Where'd still, we... that'll, that'll be, the, the good thing is that it will be baked into the cars um, and we'll see that as soon as it happens. So I'm still holding out hope that the Model 3 will have the new sensor suite. Um, and well, if, as, it, if the as, first version doesn't have it, then I it certainly eventual models will. But at launch, the question is, will it have more sensors than are currently on Model S and Model X? That's the question. And will someone do a teardown to actually find this out? Well, will, will, will they announce it at the part two unveiling um, that thought- here that we're going to have a new autopilot hardware suite? It's coming to Model 3, and oh, by the way, it's now shipping on Tesla's S and X already. Uh, that Everybody, look how under your seat. You have one here. Yeah, you have the key to a new Model S. Um, you get an autopilot, and you get an autopilot. That They would need a lot more cash. Investors would not be happy with that gift. Um, I thought the, the interesting, the thing that really stuck out for me here in this section was, uh, I, I don't know how much of this is, is kind of going on the offensive here, but talking about how uh, this sort of moral responsibility that mm. he says it would be more, it would therefore be morally reprehensible to delay release simply for fear of bad press or some mercantile calculation of legal liability. Talking about autopilot systems and, and yep. self-driving cars. I thought that was pretty interesting that, that he's uh, in here and in another part too was, was kind of laying it out as like, it's not dangerous to be putting autopilot out there. It's actually dangerous to not be doing it. And I thought that was sort of a very political sort of uh, reframing of the issue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've been getting, uh, in light of the fatality, uh, many uh, organizations coming in and um, saying they should pull it. And there was some question how much they would to try and quell fears and stop uh, the bad press cycle, relent on some of the features of autopilot. And I think this is a very clear declaration that in Tesla's view and Elon Musk's view, they are currently being misunderstood, but they're okay being misunderstood because they are quite confident that it is safer. They believe the data will bear that out, um, that the regulators will believe that uh, and find that to be true as well, and that they are positioning, yeah, like you said, as a moral uh, hazard if they don't release autopilot and keep autopilot out there, that they'd be doing harm to their customers um, if they don't allow it. And um, you know, Elon had been tweeting things of surveys they're doing, and that zero point zero percent of people who are customers want to pull autopilot. That it's just the media being misinformed, as we talked about last week. So, um, yeah, definitely no backpot backpedaling on autopilot and also a re- reaffirmation that autopilot is based on the concepts of uh, airplanes like we spoke about right. uh, in two episodes ago. We, so, we we actually scooped this. We did scoop it a little bit and, and uh, 
I thought it was interesting how he actually laid out a metric for this idea of it being in beta too. Mm-hmm. That that he uh, he said that once it gets to the point where it's going to be ten times ten x again, once yep. it's going to be ten times safer than the U.S. vehicle average, the beta label will be removed. And also interesting that they're using the U.S. average because the uh, international average is much lower. That would be an easier standard, um, or the worldwide blended average. But they're using U.S., which is a higher standard. Uh, U.S. deaths per mile are much lower than um, U.S. Uh, international deaths, so that's a higher standard than the worldwide one. Um, I wonder how much of that is due to crash safety versus uh, number of accidents. Like, is it the same number of accidents, but the safety regulations around here mean that less people die during these accidents? I would bet, and I also think it has to do with the age of the fleet. Uh, The U.S. fleet is pretty new relative to other countries where they tend to get uh, used cars from, uh, many of them are used cars from the U.S. as a bigger percentage of their uh, fleet, especially um, more developing countries, so... And two-stroke uh, scooters. So, yeah, yeah, definitely less protected vehicles, um, less safety features. So, um, yeah, I think right. they, they see it as a safety feature for sure. All right. So part three or bullet point trois was uh, autopilot. How about uh, quatre? That's sharing. Four. Sharing. <laughs> so this is the most uh, most not ready, I would say. Um, but also something that has been asked about on earnings conference calls. And so at one point, a, um, so this one's for about sharing, um, right. This, sharing this your was enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it was and, specifically what he bu- summarized it as. Right. And be as a result of the inverse of that, as a consumer, click a button in your Tesla app and get a car to you, uh, that isn't the one that you own. Uh, or have any ownership of of a Tesla car. Yeah, so it's uh, sort of two parts, right? There's the idea of having a a Tesla shared fleet, which is essentially really sounded like a a shot across the bow of Uber. Um, And then also this idea of being able to take your car and then let it run around, which there's a, a little company here in San Francisco called Get Around, which does something like that where you can actually rent out your vehicle, uh, your personal vehicle when you're not using it. Uh, so something like that. Yeah. And, and the, the interesting piece here was, as I was, I was um, mentioning that, uh, analysts have asked, uh, Elon, what he thought about car sharing and if Tesla had plans for it on a conference call in the past and his answer, he paused and then he said, I don't think it'd be wise to talk about that yet. Something to that effect of, of, um, not going to, not going to get into that, which is basically a non, non-answered denial kind of, <laughs> uh, I can't tell you what I'm working on because then I would have to kill you kind of answer. Um, so I think, I, I think there were folks who certainly expected that Tesla might do something here. Um, so I think it's really great that they're talking about it in this master plan and that it's sort of one of the big pillars. I think there was a possibility that it was just going to be like the get around type service where, it's like available if you wanted to let your car be used by other members of the community or other people, but not a um, important part of the business. But this also ties into why they don't want to make necessarily need to make cheaper cars because this is a predicated on self-driving. So we won't see sharing until true self-driving. So unlike the first master plan where he sequenced it, um, in serial order. This one is more temporally jumbled, uh, but the sharing point uh, does start off by talking about it. When true self-driving is approved by regulators, 
it means you could summon your Tesla from anywhere. Um, and so then you could add your Tesla to a shared fleet. So this certainly won't be happening for years. Uh, right. So this will be in the back half, I'd expect, of this 10-year. If it's if he's expecting it to be a 10-year plan, this would be in the back half because predic- we need self-driving. And then I think this this one also I think is the is makes the most sense on paper and and um gets to the question of well if everyone has self drive if all cars are self driving a why do you need to own a car and what is the role of car manufacturers in transportation if it becomes a software layer of picking uh you know Uber and Lyft like who cares what car you have who cares who makes the car if all you need is to get from point A to point B and you don't own the car like we talked about like airplanes you don't really care if you get on Airbus or Boeing 737 it sounds like they believe that car ownership will still be a meaningful part for the next decade 20 years but uh that a with some cars having full autonomy you will be able to allow them to be part of this self-sharing fleet and actually monetize it make money off of the time when your car isn't being used one assumption there is that people would do that yeah um, i think that's that's an interesting one to me i don't necessarily understand that Venn diagram where if people are paying for their own vehicles because they want their own vehicle and then there are another subset of people who don't want to own a vehicle and they just want to like get from point a to point b is there actually an overlap there where i actually want to own my own vehicle but then i'm comfortable with whoever in the world just like riding in it all day long while i'm at work that i'm not sure that that's a very uh large overlap I think the telling thing in their description, or at least in his, is that he says uh, significantly offsetting and at times potentially exceeding the monthly loan or lease cost. So if you're someone coming in and dropping cash for your car, uh, probably don't need to do car sharing. You don't have a problem with paying for your car. But implicit in saying a monthly loan or lease is implying a person who is going to be thinking about their car not necessarily as a complete, um, completely low part of their expense ratio uh, for their income, but something where they can't afford the full car, like most people, and they're actually using a loan or a lease to afford it. And that, uh, you know, if you put your car in for a day, you might get $100, $200 or $50 or $20 or whatever it ends up being. And that would make a difference for you if you have a three or $400 lease payment or a loan. So I think that the only scenario there is people, not many people who own them today, but a lot of the people who might be buying a Model 3 or who would need to afford only a uh, $200 a month payment, but could upgrade to a $400 Model 3 and lease it out or loan it out, you know, half the time uh, when they're at work and they don't mind someone being in their car because they get to drive a nicer car on their own but then why don't you just use the why don't like why exactly. do you want your own car because you're not then you should just be a member of the fleet yeah so, as soon as you're comfortable with strangers being in the vehicle then why would you bother owning the vehicle that that doesn't actually make sense and I, that feels like some sort of temporary band-aid type thing to make people feel more comfortable from this like current model that we're in where everyone owns their own vehicle to this model we're going towards which is more of a fleet transportation service so i, yeah, I don't and, know that's that's my speculation it, it well, seems weird well it sounds like they already expect to have to offset that because they said in certain cities and places where supply outstrips demand sorry where demand outstrips supply they will add teslas into the fleet that are owned by tesla 
So I think because they already anticipate needing to do that, they have to be planning for an eventual future where that ratio is 100% Tesla fleet. Uh, and, you know, maybe, well, 95% Tesla fleet and 5% self-owned. Um, so certainly having the capability of those being owned by Tesla or some other company, a la, you know, some private equity firm or venture firm that wants to just own some of the cars and make money off them or I could certainly see people doing it as an investment the same way you would you would have a rental property. Maybe it starts to make sense to have a car as a rental property um, and you have cash and you can buy a car and put it into the fleet. I don't know what Tesla's take will be and if it will be too much to make it really economically viable to run as a business and pay for the car, but we'll see. I mean, this one's really far away, um, but yeah. I think the ambition of that is great and certainly – uh, we've seen folks like GM uh, invest in Lyft um, and uh, try and, and be prepared for this sort of more car sharing future. BMW having their own car sharing, Audi having their own car sharing. Um, and it sounds like Tesla isn't going to do anything until they're fully self-driving, um, which I think makes a lot of sense since there are people like Get Around and others who are trying to do it today. And <laughs> you can actually rent a Model S on, on Get Around too. There, yeah, there are a few. Yeah. At least in Silicon Valley, there are, there are a few here where you can zip around in a Model S on the weekend if you'd like. Yep, and uh, it's cheaper than doing it from Hertz in their like luxury car system. So um, that's how I plan to try uh, uh, Model S again. Is not just doing a test drive, but renting it for a day or two. Um, cool. All right. So yeah, I guess in closing, that's the end of the core pieces. Um, what? How does this match up with what you were expecting, and how do you feel? it sort of gravitas is compared to the first one. I mean, nothing seems crazy in it. It seems like it's, it's pretty much, uh, logical extensions of stuff they've been doing. Uh, the, I mean, I, I agree that the semi sounds a little bit out there. Um, the bus, I mean, I'm not really sure what the difference between, uh, an actual bus vehicle would be versus a maybe municipality owned fleet of small Teslas that are zipping around uh, with their share service. So I, I think there's some conflict there between bullet points two and four mm-hmm. um, where, I mean, maybe that's actually what it is and maybe they're, they're they are the same thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it seems interesting. I mean, I think the, yeah, bullet point one or part one or section one, whatever we want to call it is uh is, I mean, obviously is not surprising since they've already been talking about uh, merging or acquiring Solar City, And um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's sensible. I'll say yeah. that. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's what I was struck by too, is that it, um, it doesn't, it, it sounds like when you look at all four of them, they're already doing three of them. They're already doing things with solar uh, and, and battery packs for homes. So that's already in the works. They're already uh, in the works with the Model 3 and Y, like SUV. They've already sort of talked about that. Um, and the pickup truck, we know that Elon was curious about those. So that's already sort of been happening. <laughs> uh, I think that the autonomy is already clearly in the works with autopilot. And you can imagine how that's going to end up. And Elon already talks about when full autonomy will happen in many interviews. So enabling your car to make money when you aren't using it, the last one, is really the only one that hasn't been uh, even really talked about except for the non-answer on one of the conference calls. So I feel like the first master plan 
people only really knew about the Roadster. Tesla was a startup that was kind of crazy and totally out there and no one had any expectation for it. And like Elon Musk was just coming off of PayPal and was not the same level of celebrity and adoration for him as he does have now. So I think the stakes and like the level of complexity for what would need to come next obviously was risen. Um, so I feel like this is pretty good. Um, I, I think it's pretty predictable. I think that, um, I think the time horizon on it seems about right for something like another decade. Um, and I think that if they do accomplish all of these things, they will certainly be a much more important company than they are today. So it's not like building, um, insignificant or only sort of sub-revision products. It definitely has, uh, if they do actually accomplish all these things, they will be a very different kind of company than they are now. So I think that it definitely passes the sniff test of like, okay, Roadster to Model 3 is a big, big change in company, but really only the same product. This is diversifying product line, diversifying the business types, and being in a world where we're not driving our cars anymore and saying that's something we're driving towards very, very quickly is, uh, is pretty interesting. So I'm really happy with it. And I think the biggest thing that this does is it allows Tesla to keep talking about what they're going to work on and what they're working on because they don't have these products yet. There, right. Many of these things are not going to cannibalize their existing sales. So it allows them to go out and recruit. It allows them to talk about their plan publicly and just continue to build excitement around the company and working there and attracting great talent who, you know, are working in the semi-truck industry or working at Uber and Lyft and should now come over to Tesla and help build that team. Or everyone who wants to do autonomy can really know for sure that Tesla has that ambition and they've said it publicly. So I think it really is sort of putting a stake in the ground that allows them to rally uh, attention and press and, and employees and investors around what we're going to go do. And, um, you know, sort of sort of sets a timeline of, you know, we, we, this is what we're going to go do in the next 10 years. And it still seems pretty aggressive. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Obviously, the cool. first part of it is getting Model 3 out there and then they can really start <laughs> on the new stuff. So, Well, getting still- Model 3 out and then ramping up the scaling their production for the ensuing demand of the Model 3 too. Yeah, I feel like the one that will be the biggest impact from what they are today and most impactful is going to be the factory stuff because that's still the biggest concern is can they do that? And if they can really change the dynamics of the manufacturing process, that's going to be pretty, uh, pretty important to being able to roll out all these other vehicles at the speed they want. Um, I think the technical challenges of the autopilot and and self-driving um, I think that technology is being advanced by a lot of folks, but I don't know that many people who are really trying to push the boundary of car manufacturing besides BMW and some of their i3 stuff, but it's super low volume. So anyways, um, mm. would love to hear everyone's thoughts on uh, what they think uh, the implications are for this and um, uh, in light of this, what they would love to hear us talk about in the future. Yeah. I think yeah. we've got some new episodes to talk about as a result of this, so um, where can they let us know about all that stuff, Mike? Oh, and before we do that too, we, I, I just remembered, we forgot to actually announce what we were drinking tonight too. Um, oh, right. From, from, my end here, I am drinking a Martinez because I couldn't come up with anything, uh, related in the amount of time I had. Uh, how about you? I am drinking some white wine. All right. Any, any specific variety or just a white table wine? Uh, it's just a white table wine from Whole Foods. All right. 
All right, then. Nothing special. Uh, if, I apologize. If you'd, like to, if you'd like to suggest things for Caleb to drink or different <laughs> wines for him to try, uh, you can hit us up at our subreddit at r slash the Tesla show or tweet at us on Twitter at the Tesla show or visit our shiny website at the Tesla show.com. That's yep. just the Tesla show.com, not at the Tesla show.com. That's right. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon then, Mike, and we'll have another episode uh, shortly. All right.